It is so fascinating to see these guys work behind the scenes and prepare for games because, yeah. you know, when you're watching the game and you're a fan, like you, you only see that part of the player. And so getting to see like the way they process things and the way they want to work on things and their sort of mentality about things is, it brings like a completely new side to it and an appreciation for how hard they work. Hey everyone, welcome back to Straight A's. Today, I'm joined by A's pitching analyst and astrophysicist, Samantha Schultz. We discuss her work with the A's, her pitching influences, and how physics and baseball work together. With that, here's Sam. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Straight A's. I am joined by Samantha Schultz, who, uh, if you have not seen, or maybe you have, uh, I did a story about Sam uh, a few days ago about her job, and it it uh, got a lot of attention, not to toot our own horns, but um, it, it, I mean, it, it got some, some decent traction. The New York Post uh, picked it up and called it, you know, Astro Ball, stuff like that. Um, thank you for joining me, Sam. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> I don't know if that was a proper intro. Sam. Oh, uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the intro to the situation. Um, Sam is a pitching analyst for the Oakland A's. Um, she is also an astrophysicist and I say also because she does both in her job she she applies physics to her work as a pitching analyst and I think that that's incredibly fascinating and all the stuff that we did not talk about in the story um, or did not make the cut in the story I want to I want to talk about here with with Sam because there's a lot of stuff I just want to say I turned in like a significantly I turned in a huge 72 inch monster to my editors and which is just unacceptable like I shouldn't be doing that but um and they chopped it down understandably and I'm like well you know I want to I want to talk about it more so Sam's here to talk about how she applies physics and her astrophysics background to her job as a pitching analyst so oh. let's talk about it more well I want to I want to talk about sort of uh the response that you got to the, to the story that went out because I know that it was probably a little bit um a little crazy maybe unexpected. Yeah, it was definitely unexpected. Like, obviously, like working with you about the story, like the interview, and then just like the follow up process, like, I I thought the story was going to be cool. It was going to be really good. I was excited for it. And then I think within a few hours of you texting me that it had gone live, I had hundreds of messages and texts and retweets and likes. And it was like, overwhelming, but in a really good way. Um, I had like, people I haven't spoken to since high school, who were reaching out like this is so cool like what an amazing job um it yeah it was overwhelming in such a good way people from other teams people i've worked with my mom's friends because like once it got onto facebook it just like took off with all of my mom and all of my mom's friends in the generation that still uses facebook so <laughs> yeah it's been it's been overwhelming but in a really really positive and cool way that's cool i uh I knew that people would like it. I'm glad that people enjoyed it. I'm I'm glad to to highlight your story because I think it's I think it's fascinating. And I think some of my favorite responses that we got was from um, teachers, kids who are also studying science, and kids, I don't college college students who are studying uh, something similar who are saying like, oh, I don't have to dedicate my life to academia. I can actually do something that I'm passionate about. That's uh, did not know that. Interesting. So yeah. that was that was I I like that too everybody who told I actually had a fair number of people who have like higher degrees in physics and astrophysics comment and say things like wow like that's I had no idea that was something I could apply this to or 
yeah, just like you said, like maybe they're not ready for like the academia lifestyle for the rest of their life. And like knowing that these are the, there are these other pathways. And I actually just saw a comment this morning that a teacher said he's going to share the article with his science students when they get back to school in a couple of weeks. And that just is overwhelming to me because I remember being in like seventh and eighth grade and really falling in love with science and, you know, having that like that avenue open up for me. And so the idea that now my story might inspire children who maybe don't think math or science is like cool or maybe they're not very good at it that they can like find these pathways into being good at it and being interested in math and science that's just it's so exciting something and something that we uh did not make the story is is more about your science background i think we, we sort of just cut to the chase a little bit on the baseball stuff but uh what were you interested in particular with um with particle physics or what that's what it's called particle physics yeah <laughs> so yeah i uh i got an undergrad degree in astrophysics and my plan like up until like i don't know three quarters of the way through college is i wanted to get a phd in particle physics and study the very early universe um very very shortly after the big bang like milliseconds like fractions of milliseconds that we can't even really comprehend i wanted to understand what happened immediately after the Big Bang and how that influenced the laws of physics that we know them as we know them today, because physics was very different back then. Um, so I've always been fascinated with space and I just, I thought that that was gonna be the coolest job in the world. And I was so excited to pursue that. And um, yeah, it, it went a completely different way, but that was my plan was particle physics. And I, I still love physics. I just, I'm glad I get to use it in this sort of more practical way. Yeah instead of a very like experimental way <laughs> right i mean this is basically as practical as you can get in some respects with physics because the physics of a baseball is something that you know if you're a sports fan you watch every single day um how right. did you what was the moment that you realized that you could that the the physics that you had an expertise on was could be applied to baseball i think it was after i took quantum mechanics in London. I studied abroad and so I took a quantum mechanics class that was very, very, very difficult. And I just remember thinking like, this is too much. Like this math is not something that I'm enjoying anymore. It's not something that is bringing me joy that I'm excited to learn about. But there are parts of physics that I really, really love. And so it just sort of felt like a natural fit after I took that class that I could fit physics into baseball. Mm -hmm. Just like it's like I said in the story, like it's super cliche, but I thought back to Moneyball and was thinking like, okay, people have been using science and math to analyze baseball for a while, but what if I took like a very specific physics approach to it? I thought that that could be really useful and really interesting. Um, so yeah, that's sort of like how I came back to the idea of working in baseball and seeing it as a career is once the math got too difficult and not fun anymore, how can I take the parts of it that I do enjoy and apply it to something else that I enjoy? Let's, um, I want to ask you about, um, I mean, the story made it seem like uh, you only work with Lou Trevino and we know that's not true. We know, <laughs> <laughs> we know there's other uh, pitchers that you work with. There's other pitchers that, uh, that you talk to on a daily basis, um, not just Lou. Um, and this is the list I have. You can tell me. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that you can talk with all of them, but some some are that you mentioned to me: uh, Chris Bassett, Shamanaya, Sergio Romo. Um, how do you 
how do you go about sort of creating that relationship with them? Because I know that like, you know, you're not just introduced everyone. Hello, this is Sam. She's an astrophysicist. She's going to do physics <laughs> with you. She's right. going to show physics pitching. What, how do you forge those relationships with, with Trivino and, and the rest? And, and how did you sort of um, get them on your side? Right. So it, it really does depend on the player a lot. So I started this job back in January of 2020. So the timing could not have been worse in terms of like getting FaceTime with players. Um, so back in spring training in 2020, like Chris Bassett was like an early, like an early guy who was like really in on this. So I had already worked with him a little bit with some of the pitching technologies and like stuff that I am well versed in. Then the shutdown happened and I was sort of removed from a little bit. So coming back this year, Bassett already knew who I was. So that was like a really good entry point because he wasn't, he didn't shy away from talking to me. Um, and I think that sort of helped some of the other players warm up as well. Cause I didn't show up and go like, Hey, I'm here. It's time to work. Like <laughs> I sort of wanted to let the guys come to me as they wanted to. Um, so I think Bassett was really helpful with that. Shamanaya actually introduced himself to me and said that he was more interested in learning about the numbers and asked me some questions about what I provide. Hmm. Um, so those relationships came up, came along like pretty quickly, pretty easily. And so once I had some of the players who were, comfortable speaking to me and we're talking to me a lot that's when Lou sort of came along and was ready to like give it a shot and trust what I had to say and yeah it, it really is a relationship that's based on trust I have to trust the player to understand their body understand what they're capable of and also they need to trust me or it's just never going to work so it's a really like symbiotic relationship but now that like most of the guys are warmed up to me, I, I talk to all of the pitchers almost every day, but there certainly are pitchers who lean a little bit more on, to not lean on, but um, appreciate the technology a little bit more, or it helps their game a little more, where there are pitchers who don't really need my help because they've just been good at what they're doing for so long. How do you, um, I mean, that, that sort of was one of my questions to Lou and to you is, um, how do you sort of, combine or toe the line uh between what a pitcher is used to because you know pitchers will say like I like to get into my system and my groove and I know what I I know when I need to not have voices in my head and I know when I can get overwhelmed how do you sort of toe the line of like I'm here I have stuff that can help <laughs> you um but uh also not sort of be an imposing voice in their head what what information right. do you sort of introduce to them or do you I don't know if this question makes sense. How do you, how do you sort of present yourself to them as, as a source? Right. So Scott Emerson, our pitching coach, was also very helpful with that because he was more willing to be like, this is Sam, she does this. Mm. So they at least knew who I was and why I was around. Um, but I think this, is, this feels like such a cop-out answer every time, but it really depends on the player. Yeah. And so um, I would say that like there are, we'd start with like really basic things. Like some of the players might just be like, hey, what was the velo on that? Or what was the the spin rate on that pitch and I start to give them that information and then they start to ask questions like well what does that mean like is that is that good mm. which is a hard question to answer like when guys are just like was that a good pitch it's like yeah. what are you trying to accomplish with the pitch so then we can start to have deeper conversations once they've started to get introduced to the data and then there are times when like I can just tell that a guy is really trying to feel something on the mound and just work on maybe feeling the way their body is moving and the way the pitch is coming out of their hand. And they're not necessarily looking for numerical feedback right then. So I'll just sort of take a back seat. And if they want to come talk to me afterwards, they can. 
And then some guys will get up on the mound and will explicitly at the beginning of the session say like, hey, I want to know X, Y, and Z mm -hmm. about this. Um, so yeah, I just try to make myself available and have a little bit of feel for like, what is this pitcher trying to accomplish today? Are they looking to fix something? Are they changing something? Or are they just up here just really trying to feel something and just want to throw five pitches and then go on with the rest of their day? Um, it's sort of a feel thing, just sort of getting to know the players and trusting their routines and um, stuff like that. And I want to, I mean, you said X, Y, and Z. I know there's, I know there's stuff that you can't um, say explicitly. <laughs> um, so tell me if uh, this, or you, you don't have to tell me all the details, but maybe we can use Sergio Romo as an example, because we already talked about Lou before. Um, what's, you know, you, you see Sergio Romo in the bullpen. He comes up to you and asks, I want to work on this. What's something, and this is maybe a big question, what's something that you as a physicist are looking at with Sergio Romo's offerings and something that you might tell him or advise him uh, to work on? Maybe we're yeah. developing change up. Yeah, so that'll be something where we talk about like, okay, what do you want this pitch to be? Do you want it to just be a show pitch where you're just sort of changing the eye level and changing the speed so that you can like go back to a slider? Or do you want to use this pitch as an actual strikeout swing and miss offering? So we'll start with that and then we sort of move on to, okay, based on the spin of your other pitches, the direction they move, this spin direction on a change up makes a lot of sense. So that's the physics perspective. And mm -hmm. so we'll talk about the, the direction of the spin and how the direction of the spin is going to influence the type of break that you get on the pitch. And so that is all dictated by, again, what they want to use the pitch for. So when we're working on a change up with Romo, we're talking about like the angle that he releases is at, releases the ball at, the angle his wrist is in, which fingers the ball is coming off of last, how long the fingers are in contact with the ball, because all of that is going to influence the overall spin as well as the direction of the spin, which is going to affect the magnitude and direction of the break. So, I mean, that's a, uh... When you're, when you're giving instruction to, to pitchers, do you sort of say, okay, do you tell them all the, all the, we want this to have this very specific movement and you do you talk in physics terms like that? Or do you say like, we want it to move this direction, try uh, trial and error, a few different things with your grip or release that um, will get that movement. How do you, how do you, how do you, uh, or, and, I'm, and I know you talked to Scott Emerson, he's sort of your liaison with, in terms of, um, communicating in pitching terms uh how does that communication go yeah so it it depends on the pitcher yeah i know <laughs> i know some, some of them do really want like a little bit more technical but yeah like scott emo is like really great at that he you know we'll talk about like okay we, we want this to be like a short tight break or we want like this to be wipe out huge slider mm -hmm. so then we start to talk about like i'll say okay this is the direction we want the spin so then Emo and the pitcher might have a suggestion for how they can hold the ball. Mm -hmm. Or they might know, like, okay, that means I have to roll it off of this finger instead of this finger. So it's a really collaborative process, and it all just sort of goes back to how they want to use the pitch and what the purpose of the pitch is. And then that'll tailor our conversations towards spin direction. Okay, how do we get there with your actual wrist in your hand in a way that's comfortable, in a way that you feel like you can command the ball, and in a way that is not going to hurt you. Right. Yeah. Cause that's also a concern. It's like, you don't want to, you don't want to put them in an, in a situation that is making them do something that is unfamiliar and, and could, you know, put them in a, hopefully not get injured 
situation. Yeah, like I've definitely had times where pitchers will try something and then I'll ask like, how did that feel? Because it looked good. And they're like, it was not comfortable. It felt like I didn't have control of it in my hand or it, it just felt foreign. And so they're not comfortable with it. And when that happens, we're just like, all right, let's try something else. Because um, like I said, I need to trust these guys to like tell me how their body's feeling and how their body's working so that we don't put them in a situation where they can't control a pitch or their arm is just feeling really sore afterwards. And something that I actually got a few questions about is um, what exactly is your job? Is your, I, and, and we've talked about this. Um, and what I mean by that is, is you're not always in the bullpens. You have other <laughs> responsibilities. Um, right. What's sort of like the day-to-day for you? Right. So when we do have home games um, and the times when I've been able to travel with the team, um, the bullpens are just a small part of my day. So I get to the, I'll do a little bit of work in the morning, just sort of like whatever I had to wrap up for that day, a post-game report, something like that, get to the park, uh, do the bullpens. That takes about two hours out of my day to do whatever we're doing with the starter, um, plus the relievers, anybody who wants to throw. Then we'll do uh, meetings with the pitchers and the catchers, just about the game plan. And then afterwards we watch the game. So that's a typical game day. But um, when the team's on the road, like right now, I'll, again, do the post-game reports. And then I also have, in addition to just doing the pitching stuff, I have longer-term projects that I'm working on. I have projects I work on with the minor league coaches. Um, There are always these ad hoc requests coming from my bosses and other people in the organization that I'm available to help with. Um, So one of the cool things about Oakland is we have a very small department, so Mm -hmm. everybody gets to be involved in a lot of things. Um, And that's just not true in a lot of other places. So you know, I get to have some input on the trade deadline and I get to have input on free agent signings and I get to have input on, um, you know, the development of pitchers in the minor leagues and all of these types of things. So it kind of depends a little bit on the season in baseball. So right now we're just in full regular season mode. Win tonight. How do we do that? And then hopefully in September, we start to pivot to postseason preparation. And then after that, we'll go into free agency and arbitration, and then we'll get ready for spring training. And so there's, there's always these new and really fresh seasons in baseball. There's seasons within the season. So it keeps things interesting. Um, and then I've got the benefit of being able to inv- be involved in a ton of it in Oakland. So no, I'm not just standing in the bullpen <laughs> for two hours a day. Like it's, it's a lot of work, but it's, it's a lot of really fun work. Yeah. And you said that um, you work with minor league pitching too. Uh, Is that, are you really just involved in some capacity in basically any pitcher in the organization? Yeah. I think that like, I do, I do definitely have the ability to give my opinion and my thoughts on any pitcher and then whether or not people are going to listen to me Mm -hmm. is, you know, that's up in the air because not every single one of my opinions (laughs) needs to, or should be taken seriously. Like, it really is collaborative. And so, yeah, like I work with our minor league coordinator, pitching coordinator, Gil Patterson, quite a lot, just talking about what are these pitchers doing? Is this pitch effective? How can we make it more effective? Just trying to get all of our pitchers better all the time. Um, And yeah, like I said, whether they listen to me or like the idea, like that's fine. Uh, It really is collaborative. And we do have back and forths where maybe somebody doesn't quite like the idea, but it, it starts a new conversation. Um, But yeah, everybody from like our new draft signings, I went down to Arizona right before the trade deadline and met with our new drafted pitchers and Hmm. just to sort of get them up to speed on like what my job is and what I can offer them and what they should have, what they should expect being a pitcher in the Oakland A's organization. 
and then working with the major league pitchers um, the day before their starts, it, it really is like the full spectrum of pitchers. Are there any, any uh, pitchers down there that stood out to you that you are willing to share? Yeah, I personally really liked, um, I think his name's Kyle, Kyle Verbitsky. He's hmm. a new draft pick and um, Blake Beers as well. Uh, the hard thing about the new drafted guys is they haven't been throwing for months. <laughs> yeah. So I saw a lot of their like throwing program and then a few bullpens, but yeah, there were, there were definitely a lot of like a few guys, those two specifically, but there were a lot of guys down there who really stuck out to me as this fastball is going to be a real tool or I really liked that change up and, you know, getting to meet them so early and have them introduced to me, I think is only going to be a benefit moving forward. I want to, um, pivot back to sort of your um, upbringing and what led you to like baseball in the first place. And something that uh, we talked about was Steve, <laughs> your, your, uh, your best friend's dad. Yeah. Who um, dated your mom for a few years. And that's sort of how you, you met. Yeah. Um, what, um, so in the, in the story, we, uh, I, I, talk about how Tim Lincecum was a major influence in your uh in your pursuit of a baseball career or your just love of baseball in general when you were growing up um but I know that Steve was also an important person in your baseball life so what what did um what did Steve do and who is Steve uh, yeah to, to, make you, um, to make you love baseball or help you love yes yeah. so Steve is as you mentioned like my best friend's dad and I was introduced to him and when my mom started dating when I was, I don't know, eight or nine, and that's how I met my best friend. We're still best friends today, um, even though my mom and him are no longer dating. <laughs> Her and I stayed friends. Um, but yeah, he had always been a Giants fan. He's from the Bay Area. So when I was introduced to him and he was always watching baseball and always talking about baseball, I had almost never interacted with baseball at that point in my life. So he sort of took me under his wing a little bit to teach me the rules the strategy, the history of the game. Um, and we would just watch Giants games on TV together all the time. And he got me involved in softball and baseball for the first time. I wasn't playing sports at that time in my life. So he really introduced me to this huge passion. And even today, like he's someone that I can just talk about baseball with. And he's always so excited to talk about it with me. And I feel like I owe like a large part of my career and not my not my life, but like my passions mm -hmm. to Steve, because he introduced me to this game that I had just never even seen before. Um, so yeah, even today, like he texted me the other day about the A's, like we still continue to talk about it. And um, I just like, I cannot thank him enough for helping me understand this game, because I don't think baseball is very intuitive, the rules for a lot of people, like the idea of throw ball, hit ball, that's easy but sort of the rules and the nuances and the mental side of the game, like that can take a little bit of work to really get into and really understand. So having somebody to guide me through that was just like absolutely invaluable. What did he, what did he teach you about the nuances and, or, and how much, uh, when did you start to get really interested in the nuances of pitching? Because the nuances of pitching are actually very uh, complicated. And when I know when I was growing <laughs> up and I was watching baseball, like, you know, when I was 10, I didn't care about the nuances of pitches. I yeah. <laughs> were just like, that was impressive. This guy's good. I was, yeah, I, I was a, it was a little different experience for me sort of recognizing the, um, 
the how hard not how, how nuanced it actually was if that makes sense yeah. I knew I knew a fastball and a breaking ball but I didn't know you know how pitches work together at when I was 10 when did you start right. to get into that I like that definitely didn't come when I was 10 I was probably like 15 or 16 before I really started to understand that kind of strategy um but I think one of the benefits is that I got to grow up watching a lot of really great pitchers so I grew up watching Jason Schmidt and Tim Lincecum and Matt Kane and like all of these pitchers that are really prominent names in the Giants community and like in the whole story of the Giants. So I think Tim Lincecum, as you mentioned earlier, is like when I really started to be like, there's something special going on here. And like the way that he's using these pitches and he's using his body and like it, it's really like an art and a science and it's beautiful. And like, I, I wanted to know more about why this was so useful, like why he was so successful and um, how his pitches played together. And so I probably was 15 or 16 before I really started to pay attention to that stuff more closely. Before that, it was just like, I like watching this and it's an exciting thing and a fun thing. Um, but yeah, later in high school is when I really started to be like, oh, there's, there's a lot going on behind the scenes here. And at that point I was playing more competitive mm. baseball and softball. So just sort of like naturally I had to get better at my own game and understanding the game and what pitches to throw when when to steal when to do this like that all sort of just it came naturally just as my playing experience got better as well when did you start playing softball and, and were you pitching yeah I think I was maybe nine it was like shortly after I met Steve because um so my best friend her name's Jocelyn she was starting to play softball as well um and so I wanted to play too the difficult part was like we went we went to different schools and so when you're playing rec league they tend to group people together by school so you know each other so we never played on the same softball team <laughs> our entire life um so i probably started playing when i was like eight or nine and i played baseball concurrently for a little bit then switched to softball full-time and yeah i was primarily a pitcher um i would play the outfield when i wasn't pitching too just because i had a pretty good arm um but yeah pitching Pitching is like what I wanted to do. And I, I tried to see myself as like the, the Tim Lincecum of softball, which I, which I absolutely was not, but it was, it was my goal was I was going to take everything he was doing and his, his attitude and like his swag on the mound. Like I wanted that. Um, and it didn't work out for me as well as it worked out for him, but yeah, it was pretty, <laughs> it was fun. I, I enjoyed playing a lot. Um, and you got to meet Tim Lincecum, um, Yes. Once? A couple times? I met him once. I met him in San Diego in 2019. I had I was working for the Padres at the time and on Twitter, because I'm always dialed into Tim Lincecum News, on Twitter I had seen that somebody else had spotted him in San Francisco in San Diego. And I thought to myself, there's no way he's not coming to the PG All American game tonight at Petco Park. Because why else would he be here? Um so they're doing the pregame ceremony I'm there with my coworkers to watch all these high school students play um, and I see him standing on the field next to Trevor Hoffman and I had already met Trevor Hoffman through the Padres but I I was shaking freaking out and I was trying to figure out like how do I ask my bosses if I can go and meet him is that professional like how do I keep this professional and not lose my cool and so I had texted one of the assistant general managers there and I was like hey, like, I can see that Tim Lincecum is here. He's one of my favorite players. Is there any way I could just briefly meet him? And he said, come on over. So I walk over to the dugout. They pull me up with the director of, like, the perfect game um, into a suite. And they're like, okay, he's in there. I'm, I'm shaking. I'm texting my mom, like, it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. 
to go into the room and I was speechless. And he was, he was so good at handling my speechlessness and like asking me like, do you want a photo? Do you want to talk? And so he helped me like get over being so starstruck. And then it was just one of the most, one of the best conversations I've ever had in my life because he was so interested in what I do for work. And I was able to tell him like, you're the reason that I love pitching so much. And he, he was absolutely floored by that. And so like, that was a really cool experience. And he just listened to me talk and asked me questions and let me ask him questions for probably like half an hour. We just talked about pitching and, you know, if he would ever consider coming back to the game as a coach and why what worked for him worked for him and how I could have helped him. Uh, so it was just a very surreal experience. And I still look back on it as like one of the best days of my life. <laughs> Did he, um, what I, I I'm interested in, in the nature of the conversation like what did he what was he interested in terms of what you were telling him like was the concept of physics in pitching sort of like a what that's uh I didn't know that that was happening like it or was it more like oh yeah I've, I've seen that, that 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 makes sense like what what was um what was he most interested in it was it was definitely the former that he was like oh that is very cool I had no idea <laughs> and so he like his playing career did not overlap with like a lot of the data and the StatCast stuff that we have now. I think he might've been around in 2015 with the Rangers. So he would have gotten like some introduction to the TrackMan data and the, the live tracking. But at that point in his career, like, I just don't think it was going to be as beneficial to him as it could have been in like 20, 29, in 2009, 2010, stuff like that. So he had asked me what my job is. And I sort of talked him through like what I do. At that point, my job was different because I was in San Diego, but I was still very passionate about pitching. So I talked to him through like the numbers we have now, how we use them, what they mean. And he was like, wow, like that, that would have been really cool. So I think he would, if he were playing today, I think he would be really receptive of that information. And um, it would help him a lot to be even better than he already was. Do you ever think about knowing what you know and how you could apply what you know to like a Tim Lincecum bullpen session, like, or how much fun it would be to sort of oh, yeah. watch Tim Lincecum in this era of, of stack cast and everything that we're, we're tracking pitches with. I go back and forth between like, that would be so cool, but also I, I almost don't want to know because what if he got up there and his spin rate was like not impressive <laughs> <laughs> or like it was just without that would be cool like if it if the numbers weren't jumping off the page at you and he was still having this level of success like right. that would be a very cool thing as well but you know I think all the time about like how cool it would be to have some of the great pitchers on this type of stuff and it, it's not the same but I do sort of get a proxy for that when I work with Romo because I obviously grew up watching Romo as well so getting to see Romo go through his process and talk to me about it and see sort of the numbers on the stuff like it's not the same, but it still is a very, very cool thing to be able to work with somebody who I grew up watching win multiple World Series titles. Does he know that you grew up watching him? Yeah, he does. I, don't, I didn't want to tell him right away because I didn't want it to like seem like I was a fan or like I yeah. was being unprofessional. But we were in San Francisco uh, in, in June, mm -hmm. and that felt like the right time to tell him. Um, and so I told him and he was like, oh my God, are you serious? Like, that is so cool. Like, thank you so much. And he was, he, he, he seemed really touched by the fact that I was such a fan of his. And now that we get to work together, it's, it's even crazier. I actually told you Petit a few days ago 
that I also grew up watching him pitch for the Giants. I was at the game where he almost threw a perfect game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm also very, very familiar with Yusmero Petit. Um, so it's just been really cool to sort of meet some of my idols and also work with some of them as well. Is it, what's the experience like watching them work up close when you've been watching them, you know, on TV for all those years? Cause like, I know from my standpoint, it's, it's, I'm not watching as closely, but it's just, it's, it's a, it's a strange experience. Um, what a, how surreal is it to actually be working with someone that, that shaped your entire like childhood? Very. Uh, and I think that's why like, I held off on telling Romo for so long because I was like, I want to have this person trust me mm-hmm. and understand that I know what I'm talking about and that I can be of value to them and not immediately just be like, oh my God, I'm such a big fan of yours. Like I, I wanted to keep it professional at first so that we could like develop some trust and then tell him like, oh, by the way, like I've really enjoyed your whole career. But it, it is so fascinating to see these guys work behind the scenes and prepare for games because you know when you're watching the game and you're a fan like you you only see that part of the player and so getting to see like the way they process things and the way they want to work on things and their sort of mentality about things is it brings like a completely new side to it and an appreciation for how hard they work because starters starters and relievers they both do so much work on the side and that I don't think typical fans get to see how much is going on behind the scenes. They don't just show up and pitch an inning every other day. Like it's, it's really a lot of work and there's a lot of tinkering and there's a lot of, you know, working on feeling the way their body's moving, like I said, and it's just, it's a really, really cool and unique experience. Did you ever, with Romo, were you just like, I really don't know if I can mess with what, like, is there sort of like a fear of intervening (laughs) in something that, um, you grew up watching or that you, you know, you already had this, this sort of foundation of respect for. And it's just like, oh, me, it's my turn to like, in, to interject into this person's career when I was watching it a few years ago. Yeah, no, I definitely had that. <laughs> the first time he ever asked me a question, I straight up was like, me? <laughs> I, <laughs> you're asking me? Yeah. And so I don't, I don't think there's necessarily like a fear of like interjecting or messing anything up because like I said, like these players know themselves mm-hmm. so, so well. And they have the trust in me and the respect for me. And I have the same where if I suggest something and it just doesn't feel right to them, they'll tell me no. And I say, okay, great. Like there's no hard feelings. So um, no, like we're all trying to get to the same goal. We're all trying to just stay, stay healthy, get better, maintain the level of game that we're at. And so if somebody has a suggestion that doesn't really fit with what the player sees or envisions, or like they ask me a question that just doesn't really sit right, we have no issues like telling each other that. I want to um, just finish up with um, a basic question because some some things that I saw feedback wise was more about the physics aspect of what you're doing. So I think yeah. that I'm I'm curious about, and we talked a little bit about this about the the physics influences uh, in your baseball career. Like what what did you study and what did you sort of what do you base your um, your expertise on from a physics perspective. Right. So my degree degree is specifically astrophysics, but obviously a lot of that was just traditional physics and then the concentration in astronomy. I am not doing any astronomy with any of the pictures. So we're not doing any black hole stuff. We're not doing any of that. (laughs) But what you, 
what you have to learn along the way as a physics major is stuff like Newtonian mechanics. And so like we all know gravity exists, but I think I have sort of a better understanding of like how we can work against gravity with the ball. So the way the ball spins if we're throwing a four seam fastball is directly counteracting gravity. And so that force we call the Magnus force, not we, I didn't make that up. Physics calls it the Magnus force. And that basically just keeps the ball in the air. So when people talk about rising fastballs, this is sort of the effect that they're talking about is the Magnus effect on the ball, keeping the ball from dropping even further. Um, so when you're talking about a curveball, the Magnus effect actually works in the same direction of gravity. So that's why you get these like hammer 12-6 breaking balls that just seem to just rip through the air. The Magnus force is helping with that. So that's a little bit more just like basic mechanics, understanding the forces on the ball, what direction the forces are moving, what direction the spin is moving, because um, then I can understand what direction the force is in and where the ball is going to go. And then additionally, um, air actually, in terms of like how we study air, air is a fluid. So fluid dynamics is also very, very helpful in just sort of understanding how the seams on the ball create wake behind the ball and understanding like whether the air behind the ball that's pushing it one way or the other is turbulent air or laminar flow. So you guys, like you might've heard of laminar express or like laminar flow on a ball. That's all fluid dynamics. And like, that's a very, very measurable effect. Um, so yeah, I, I think a lot of, I think a lot in fluid dynamics as well. And I don't, it's not necessarily that I'm like, like I said, like on the mound doing this with the pitchers, but sort of in the background, like this can help me understand like, why are these pitches not breaking as much at Coors Field? Or hmm. why is this humid air in Cleveland? Because when we were in Cleveland, it was so humid that they were calling it tropical humidity. How is this going to affect the way these pitches are moving? And how can I help ease the minds of the pitchers? They, they went to Colorado and I got a text from our pitching coach that was like, stuff's not breaking. Like, what's going on? And I'm like, that's totally normal. No one freak out. Like, it's just one of the effects of course field. Like, it's okay. We have the same thing in Arizona with like really dry air. We got back to Oakland after spring training and a few pitchers just wanted to get on the mound and throw two breaking balls because they were like, I really just need to know that this pitch is still here because it doesn't move the same way. Um, so I think there's just sort of like a peace of mind that I can bring to where like, it's not broken, nothing's wrong. It's just very, very humid or the air is just very, very thin in Colorado. You're going to be fine. Um, but yeah, I never, I never really present like the details and in the weeds and physics to the players unless mm -hmm. they ask. Shamanaya had like, he actually brought up the Magnus Force himself once when we were in New York. Oh. He, was, he said something like, so do you know about like the Magnus Force? And I was like, <laughs> I do. And so <laughs> we had a whole conversation about this and he thought it was very cool. So like some of the guys do ask these questions and like some of them don't want any of it. Some of them just want baseball, which is fine by me. Mm -hmm. um, but like the biggest thing is like, I always tell these players, like, I do not want you thinking about physics on the mound. Like, do not go out there and overthink this. Like right now in the bullpens and like when we're just having these conversations in the clubhouse, like that is the time to think and ask questions. But when you're out on the mound, like, I would hate for them to feel like weighed down by any of this. So I also try to just like tell them like, I am not sitting upstairs, like looking at the spin rate on every single one of your pitches and going like bad, bad, bad. Like that is so not the goal that I have. It's not the goal that like we as an organization have. And like, I never want the pitchers to feel like that's going to happen to them. 
How, um, how much deeper did you go into physics with Shamanaya beyond the Magnus Force? <laughs> I think we did start talking about like turbulent air and like the boundary layer of a baseball and how the seams start to disturb that. And like, he definitely had an appreciation for it. Like, I don't think he's going to be enrolling in physics courses anytime soon, but like, he definitely had an appreciation for the stuff that I was talking about with him. Right. And there's only so much they can do. They're not going to go on the mound and be like, okay, the Magnus Force is with me. Like, oh God. Yeah. I, uh... <laughs> I should tell them that. Let the Magnus Force be with you. Let it be with you. <laughs> yeah. Well, what? the Magnus Force is always there. If you're it's always the there. So they don't even have to work. It's just going to be there if you throw the ball. <laughs> there's really, there's really some like depth to, um, to Star Wars then. I think that they were talking about pitching. Yeah, they were probably talking about physics. You're yeah, right. I'm I mean, pretty sure. Baseball. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's a movie a baseball about baseball. Movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a baseball film. I think we've just, we've just unlocked another, yeah. uh, another discourse in the, in the Star Wars, um, whatever, world. Yeah. Next year, instead of the Field of Dreams game, they should do like a Star Wars game because it's I'm surprised they haven't. Movie. Yeah. That's, yeah, with the May the 4th thing that yeah. all the teams do. Yeah. Everyone's very, teams are very invest, invested in getting like the Star Wars fandom. And I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't really get it, but I'm sure, I'm sure that they, I'm sure that they have some intel on like the baseball and Star Wars fandom intersection and how that needs to be um, further exploited. We actually, so like my internship with the Mets was not in baseball at all. It was in business analytics. Mm-hmm. And one of my tasks was actually like studying season ticket holder behavior and just like ticket buyers to understand like when we can try to upsell somebody to a half season packet or sorry, a half season package, full season, etc. And I took a look at like um, theme games and the Star Wars theme games were always very, very popular. Hmm. So it's actually funny that this came up. <laughs> this like this it corresponds with how I I feel like everyone gets really into the Star Wars day. And there's always like two yeah. Star Wars days a year. And I'm like, and they're all everyone's very stoked about it. Everyone is stoked yeah. about Star Wars Day. But yes. okay. Like maybe it's my fault for not caring about Star Wars, but it's <laughs> like it's a big deal, I guess. Well, this has been super fun. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we got to talk more in depth about some of the stuff that didn't make the final cut. Yeah, and this is um, some stuff we did talk about before and some of the stuff we talked here we did not talk about before. Yes. Like Shamanaya being converse. interested in Magnus Force, <laughs> which is like, yes. if, you, if you've talked to Shamanaya, you can kind of hear the, um, him, like, I don't know, I could hear him asking something like that. Yeah, we were literally just eating lunch, and out of nowhere, he was like, do you know about the Magnus Force? And so, it was a very good conversation. <laughs> Is he the only one that's that's brought up some physics stuff? Uh, I think Bassett probably has. Um, but yeah, it seems to be that, like, the Magnus Force, because a few years ago, like, that was, like, the big buzz phrase, and, like, mm-hmm. that people were learning about, and, like, so I think a bunch of them have, like, gotten that far, but nobody has asked me about air acting as a fluid or like (laughs) seam shifted wake or anything like that no i did talk about that with a few of the players yeah Mm. but yeah we didn't start breaking it down to talk about the density and the drag coefficient and right that stuff (laughs) i mean i imagine they don't really want to be doing physics they just want to know that the person that is working with them has an understanding of the physics that should be involved in their pitches (laughs) like hey you you understand this stuff that i'm supposed to maybe understand Okay. Right. It's very oh, important that they trust that I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> if they didn't think I knew what I'm talking about, like we would not, we would not be able to have a good working relationship. 
and from what I understand, they didn't. Uh, some of them didn't under, didn't know that you um, were an astrophysicist before. Yeah. Some of the stuff back, came out. Back to Sean Maniah. Like mm-hmm. two days ago, I was sitting in the bullpen with him and Jake Diekman. And Sean was like, are you an astrophysicist? And I was just like, yes, that is what my degree is in. And he was like, I had no idea. And then Diekman was like, wow. And I think you had told me that Lou also had no idea. So mm-hmm. it's fun. It's kind of funny that they've like decided to trust me with this information that I know what I'm talking about, but they don't actually know my specific qualifications. Right. Like Sean was asking you about Magnus Force before he knew that you were, had a degree in something that is involved in that. Yes. <laughs> that's interesting I mean like I feel like I could talk about this forever and and I'm also very interested in um I mean okay one more one more thing that I I just I really want to know and I don't know how much you can talk about this but um what are some of the applications that you use that maybe you don't bring to the pitching the the pitcher specifically but some of the applications that you use um to translate the um the physics to pitching or, or how do you how do you analyze the physics of of pitches on, at work. Mm-hmm. I think, I think it's like very helpful to be able to one, understand the physics behind it and then also see the result. Mm-hmm. So when I like see the result of a pitch and I'm thinking like, you know, this pitch isn't getting as much, as many swing and misses as I think it should based on the physical attributes of the pitch. Like then I can start to delve into like, okay, why? Like, let's, let's take a deeper look at like why this pitch isn't doing what it should be doing or, Hey, this guy's got a lot of spin. Why isn't this fastball working this way? Because I understand the physics in the background, like you can start to be like, okay, let's see if we can get that pitch to behave the way it should. Mm -hmm. um, Just from like a physics understanding. But yeah, I think like being able to see the results is very, very helpful because what's cool about the physics is we can say like, in theory, if you do this, the pitch should do that. Right. And so then when the pitcher tries it and it does do that, it's very validating. And um, it just helps like me further understand like, okay, you know, I've seen this in the past and here was the solution we used. Um, But yeah, I think it, it all sort of just comes back to like the metrics on the pitch and then the results that the pitcher's getting on the Right. So you got you're working backwards a little bit. You're looking yes. at what's happening and then you're saying like this should happen this. I know that it should be doing this and the way that and the way that I know this is and you're not, you know, drawing up some equations goodwill hunting style. You're sort of <laughs> you it's sort of just a, a common sense physics that you're applying to what you know should be happening with the pitch. Right. There you go. We've 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 uh we figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> it's cracked. <laughs> cracked the code is cracked yeah no I wish it was that easy <laughs> yeah no I I, uh, I I don't know what I just said it <laughs> it's it's very complicated and and I think it's super interesting um well thank you for joining me Sam thanks for talking having a whole other conversation with me yeah definitely it was a lot of fun and uh I'll see you around uh the Coliseum at some point yeah Friday I'll be in the bullpens yeah and uh, oh I also wanted to add I think it was super cool that Austin Rogers, the Jeopardy champion, retweeted. Oh my God. So cool. I just had a little nerd moment with that. Yeah, no, me too. We like, he had one, I'd followed him on Twitter and he had no idea who I was, but he asked once like for a stat that combines exit velocity and launch angle. Mm -hmm. And I said, I think you'd be really interested in barrels. And I linked him to Baseball Savant. And right after I sent that tweet, he followed me back. 
So like the rest is history, but like it was very, very cool to see him like retweet that and have kind words to say about my work and my story. Yeah, he was very, he had things to say about it. He was like, yeah, science people, please pay attention to this. Which I was like, what, Austin Rogers, who? I know, very cool. Anyway, thanks, Sam. Thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks, Shana. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to Sam Schultz for joining the show. You can follow my A's coverage all season long at San Jose Mercury News and on Twitter at Shana Rubin. Till next time. <laughs>